RTHK, the news at 11 with Carol Musgrave. Tonight's headlines. The chief executive says the head of the Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office has reminded him that national security risks still exist in the SAR. A senior official on the mainland describes last year's economic progress as very impressive. And the Labour Department says it has initiated dozens of prosecutions over last September's fatal crane collapse. Chief Executive John Lee says top Beijing official Xia Baolong has called on Hong Kong to tackle possible threats against national security. The CE also says Mr Xia has endorsed the work of the SAR government. Violet Wong has more. The chief executive spoke to reporters after returning from Beijing, where he attended the opening session of the National People's Congress. John Lee said he met with the director of the Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office, Xia Baolong, in the capital. Mr Lee said the senior Beijing official reminded him that national security risks remain in the SAR and the government must stay vigilant. The CE says the administration will step up efforts in risk assessment and intelligence gathering. We will definitely crack down on any forces trying to undermine national security or breach the peace of Hong Kong society or hurt Hong Kong's overall interests and hold them legally responsible under the law. The CE also says Mr. Shah recognized the work of the SAR government in the past eight months. He quoted the mainland official as saying that he was happy that the administration has showed a sense of responsibility in working for the people. Mr. Lee added that President Xi Jinping also expressed his concern and encouragement for Hong Kong as he seeks to boost the economy and improve people's livelihoods. Mainland authorities have described last year's economic progress as very impressive in the face of a turbulent external financial environment. A vice chairman of the State Council's National Development and Reform Commission, Zhao Chenxin, told reporters at a press conference that the nation's GDP in 2022 had reached a new level. China's GDP has reached a new level of 120 trillion yuan, with an increase of 6.1 trillion yuan, which is equivalent to the annual GDP growth of a medium-sized country. GDP, CPI, consumer prices, employment, and international payments are the most important indicators. So if we look at those indicators, China has been very outstanding among major economies in the world. The Labour Department says it has initiated dozens of prosecutions over a fatal crane collapse last September. The disaster at a construction site on Anderson Road killed three people and injured six others. Vanessa Jang has more. The Labour Department said it has completed an investigation into the incident in which the crane came crashing down onto several containers serving as makeshift offices at the Housing Society site in Sao Maoping. The department found that a welded joint had been pulled apart, causing the crane to fall. It said that, after consulting the Department of Justice, it has initiated 67 prosecutions against contractors, subcontractors and a number of individuals. The crane collapse claimed the lives of three workers and injured six. Labor officials added that they have inspected construction sites with cranes across the city in a bid to curb any unsafe operations.
The Housing Society, meanwhile, said all tower cranes which had been removed from the Anderson Road site after the accident will go back into operation later this month following additional safety checks. It added that the housing project is expected to be completed in 2025-26. The ICAC says there's been an across-the-board fall in the number of complaints relating to government bureaus and departments, public bodies and the private sector. In its annual report, the Graft Buster said it received a total of 1,835 corruption complaints unrelated to elections last year. That's down 19% from the previous year. It attributed the fall to reduced economic activity due to the pandemic. The weather now fine and dry with a minimum temperature of about 17 degrees. Warm again tomorrow with a top temperature of about 24 degrees. Winds will be moderate easterlies. The outlook mainly fine in the next few days, but visibility will be relatively low in the middle and latter parts of this week. It'll still be rather warm during the daytime. Currently at the observatory, it's 19 degrees with the relative humidity now 67%. Please be advised the red fire danger warning is currently in force. You're listening to RTHK. The time is five minutes past 11. The Transport Commissioner says the government is considering tightening health check requirements for commercial drivers. It follows a traffic accident in Fortress Hill yesterday involving an 84-year-old taxi driver. Maggie Ho reports. Speaking on a commercial radio program, Rosanna Law said while old age does not necessarily mean poor health, checks can reveal any underlying problems. Right now, commercial drivers who are 70 or over have to do a health check every one to three years when they renew their license. We're looking at whether there's room to adjust the age or frequency requirement. But the Transport Commissioner also pointed out that the number of traffic accidents involving older motorists is not particularly higher than the number involving younger people. And the government has no plan to put a cap on the age of commercial drivers. People can be old but healthy and strong, she said. And some people have to keep driving to make ends meet. Meanwhile, Ng Kwan Singh, who chairs the Taxi Dealers and Owners Association, urged the government to promote regular health checks for all drivers. It can work with trade associations or other drivers' groups to promote body checks, Mr Ng told an RTHK program, adding that underlying illnesses don't exist only at a certain age. DAB legislator Ben Chen, for his part, says the government should lower the age requirement for mandatory health screening to drive aged 65 and above. The Housing Bureau says it's looking into whether or not subsidised home rules need to be tightened amid reports that a suspect in the murder of socialite Abby Choi bought a government-subsidised flat despite also owning a luxury property worth tens of millions of dollars. Frank Young has the story. Local media earlier reported that Abby Choi's former father-in-law purchased a unit in Kwai Chung under the Green Form Subsidized Home Ownership Scheme for Public Flat Tenants, even though he already owned a high-end private flat in Homantin. During a Legislative Council meeting, Roundtable lawmaker Michael Tian described the situation as ridiculous and said the government should proactively check if a subsidized housing applicant already owns property. In response, Permanent Secretary for Housing Agnes Wong said she would not comment on specific cases, but conceded that the government does not vet the assets of green form applicants. She spoke through an interpreter. The principle is that if PRH residents have the ability to afford flats, then they should do so as soon as possible so that they can vacate the PRH flat 
as soon as possible. We believe that the majority of the PLH tenants are not like this, but with such an extreme case appeared, we are looking into whether or not we should tighten the regulations. Perhaps we should review this further and discuss it with the housing authority. Ms. Wong said it is important to stop people from trying to abuse the home ownership scheme. Meanwhile, a man who's accused of trying to help one of the suspects in the murder of model Abby Choi flee Hong Kong has appeared in court. He's been freed on bail ahead of his next court appearance in May. Violet Wong reports. 41-year-old Lam Shun appeared in Kowloon City Court. The defendant, who works at a yacht company, was released on bail and is due back in court on May the 8th. He is charged with assisting Choi's ex-husband, Alex Kwong, with an alleged bid to escape to Macau by yacht on the 24th of last month. Choi's former husband is in custody, along with his brother and father, after the trio were charged with murdering the socialite, whose dismembered body was discovered last month. The Hong Kong Bird Watching Society says new infrastructure in the city is causing more birds to crash into buildings. It recorded about 200 cases of bird collisions from September to December last year, and more than 90% of them died. The society says surfaces made of glass may reflect natural landscapes like trees, creating an illusion for birds. The society's conservation officer, Wong Shutmei, says the outside walls of new buildings are usually made of glass. In the business area in Kowloon Bay or in North Point, we have a lot of cases that are related to the new commercial buildings that are made of large, extensive mirror glass or reflective surface. This is a really big trap to birds because they will be faked by the unreal image they see in the glass. Overseas now, and South Korea has announced plans to compensate victims of Japan's forced wartime labor without Tokyo's direct involvement. Local civilian funds will be raised to compensate those who won damages in lawsuits against Japanese firms during Tokyo's rule of the Korean Peninsula from 1910 to 1945. South Korean Foreign Minister Park Jin says the landmark deal is key to improving ties between the two countries and ushered in what he described as a real beginning. This solution took the initiative in resolving this issue to match our country's heightened national power and national prestige. It is an expression of the government's willingness to not neglect the issue, but take responsibility for the pain of our people caused by the issue in the past. We offer the victims practical alternatives and also a new effort to remember the past. I think this is not the end of resolving the issue, but the real beginning. Critics of the plan say they want financial compensation and an apology directly from the Japanese companies involved. Japan's Foreign Minister Yoshimasa Hayashi said the development was a positive step. We welcome the measures announced by the South Korean government today as a way to restore a healthy relationship with Japan, which has been in a very difficult situation since South Korea's Supreme Court ruling in 2018. That year, the court ordered Japan's Nippon Steel and Sumitomo Metal and Mitsubishi Heavy Industries to compensate some wartime forced labourers. Tokyo had warned of serious repercussions if the orders were enforced. The head of emergency operations for the Red Cross and Red Crescent Federation says the devastation from the earthquakes that hit Turkey and Syria exactly a month ago remains all but total. Jamie Lesseur was speaking to the BBC from southern Turkey. 
I've seen a lot of the devastated cities in, in the affected area. It just goes on and on and on and on. And it's surprising and shocking, even for those of us who do this for a living, to see that level of devastation. Because it's not just the buildings that have collapsed. It's the social fabric, the restaurants, the banks, the supermarkets that have been destroyed here. The United Nations estimates that two million people in Turkey have moved away and one and a half million are living in tents. In Syria, damage is valued at at least a tenth of its GDP, compounding years of destruction from civil war. Over 50,000 people were killed in both countries. Iran's Supreme Leader Ayatollah Ali Khamenei has described a chain of poisonings targeting Iranian schoolgirls as an unforgivable crime. In his first public comments on the attacks, he said there would be no amnesty for those found to be responsible. Over a thousand girls and women in schools and universities across Iran have suffered symptoms since the poisoning began in common November. It's prompted some parents to take their children out of school and to protest against the authorities. The Ayatollah said the cases must be fully investigated. This is not a small crime. This is a crime against the most innocent part of society, meaning children, and is causing fear and insecurity in the minds of society and of families. These are not small matters. They must be seriously pursued. Thousands of transport workers across the Philippines have started a nationwide strike. They're protesting against a government plan to phase out traditional jeepney minibuses and other ageing transport vehicles. The BBC's Celia Hatton has the details. For many in the Philippines, the home-produced jeepney minibuses are a fond reminder of days past. Jeepneys were originally fashioned out of the military jeeps left behind by American troops after the Second World War. They were converted into brightly painted, cheap and cheerful minibuses. But the government's determined to get rid of them now. It's saying the jeepneys are unsafe and responsible for urban smog. Many jeepney drivers have already rejected a government offer to partially subsidize the purchase of new vehicles, saying they still can't afford the switch. The last remaining original member of the U.S. Southern rock band Leonard Skinner has died. Gary Rossington was 71. He appeared on all the band's albums and co-wrote their 1974 smash hit, Sweet Home Alabama. Live performances of their rebellious blues rock earned them a particularly strong following in America's southern states. The right-leaning rockers were among bands that took to the stage on the sidelines of the 2016 Republican Convention. A reminder of our top stories tonight. The chief executive says the head of the Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office has reminded him that national security risks still exist in the SAR. A senior official on the mainland describes last year's economic progress as very impressive. And the Labour Department says it has initiated dozens of prosecutions over last September's fatal crane collapse. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio Free Heavenly shades of night are falling It's twilight time Out of the mist your voice is calling Tis twilight time When purple colored curtains mark the end of day I'll hear you 
my dear, at twilight time. And here in Hong Kong, our Monday's just about done. Tuesday, literally around the corner. Thanks for tuning in to Twilight Time with me, Peter King. 45 minutes of music just to chill out and relax to. And if you'd like to choose a song, the email is radiopete at gmail. But the first one for you tonight's show comes from Bobby Vinton, a good hit from the past. Together at last at twilight time. She wore Softer than satin was the light from the stars. She wore blue velvet, bluer than velvet were her eyes, warmer than May her tender sighs. Love was all. Precious and warm a memory through the years, and I still can see blue velvet through my tears. She Precious and warm a memory through the years, and I still can see blue velvet through my
without your love It's a honky-tonk parade Without your love It's a melody played in a penny arcade It's a Barnum and Bailey world 